we've been talking about this guy who was an incredibly strong man in the Bible, a guy by the name of Samson. Everybody say Samson. Samson. And we summed up Samson's life basically like this, that Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. And we see this over and over in Samson's life, that even though he has supernatural strength upon his life, that over and over and over, Samson's weakness gets in his way and causes him all kinds of trouble. And we learned last week that men don't ruin their lives all at once, but they ruin them one step at a time. And that's exactly what we saw happen with Samson. That one step at a time, he moved in the wrong direction. He was involved with the wrong people. He was in love with the wrong things. He ignored all the warning signs around him. And Samson finds himself in a place, in a position where he never dreamed that he would find himself. We, he finds himself. Now his, his strength is gone. His head is shaved. The enemy is coming after him. And he thinks, I'll do just as I have done before. I'll break off the bondage and I'll destroy the enemy with the strength that God has given me. But Samson wakes up to find out that this time it's different. He wakes up to find out that his strength is gone. And that God's anointing has left him. And here's where we pick up the story in Judges chapter 16 and verse number 21. If you have your LifeGate app or your notes, you can turn there today in your Bibles as well. In Judges 16 and 21, and this is what it says. And then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison. Such a sad story. This man, this man of God, this man with such incredible potential, with such God-given strength, this man with such a calling upon his life, a man who had been called from birth to be the deliverer of God's people from the Philistines. Now we find this man who has been now captured by the Philistines. Now his eyes are gouged out. Now his arms and his hands are tied up. Now he's forced day after day after day after day to work as a slave, grinding grain for the people that he was supposed to deliver God's people from. And every single day is a reminder of Samson's failures. The truth is, this same sad story is told over and over and over and over in the lives of men that I see all the time, men with such incredible potential, men that are called by God, men with such great talents and such great gifts and such great strengths upon their life, men who God has called and yet they continually moved in the wrong direction and now they think that I'll just shake it off as I have before but one day something is different and they find themselves bound by their sins, bound by the chains of the weakness and the mistakes that they've made in life. They find themselves just going through the grind day after day after day, missing out on the potential, missing out on the calling, missing out on the plan that God originally had for their lives. Perhaps some of you are here this morning that 
maybe you're in the same kind of situation as Samson was in and you look at your life and you think, I never meant to end up here. I never meant to betray my wife. I never meant to have an affair. I never meant to go that far. But you find yourself living day after day haunted by your mistake, haunted by your failure, your life defined by the failure. And every morning when you wake up and you look in the mirror, you're reminded of the weakness. Maybe some of you here today and there's an addiction in your life and you think, I never meant to become addicted to pornography, but, but now you're bound by that addiction and every day is the grind of the addiction that you are bound by and you carry around with you the secret shame. Maybe some of you here today never meant to end up in that miserable flat marriage just trying to keep it together just for the sake of of the kids, but this is where you find yourself. Maybe you look at your life today and maybe you think, boy, by this age I, I thought that I would be further along. I thought that I would be I thought that I would be making a greater difference. I thought that I would I would be doing something more with my life. And you live your life bound by the chains of regret. Maybe even in this series, maybe maybe some of the messages of this series have hit a sensitive spot in your life and you've been faced with the regret of the mistakes of your past. This morning I want to look at, I just want to look at this final chapter of Samson's life. And I want us to see three things, in fact three realizations that have the power to change your future. If you will just realize these three things as a strong man today, I believe that they have the power to change your future. If you're taking notes, why don't you, why don't you write these down this morning. The first one is this, the first thing we got to realize is I'm not strong enough to overcome the power of the enemy. Everybody say, I'm not strong enough. I'm not strong enough. Guess what, guys? You're not strong enough. You can't do it on your own. You are not stronger than the power of the enemy. If Samson could have just realized this at the beginning of his life, it could have changed the ending of his life if he would have just realized that I may be strong, but I'm not strong enough. But here's Samson's failure. Over and over and over again, Samson overestimated his own strength and underestimated the strength of the enemy. You see it over and over. Samson flirted with the enemy. He taunted the enemy. He thought, I'm stronger than the enemy. And in the end, it turned around to bite him. And here's the deal, guys. You're not strong enough to do it on your own. You're not stronger than the power of the enemy. In fact, the enemy wants to destroy your life. Jesus said it like this in John 10 and 10. He says, the thief comes to what? To steal and to kill and to destroy. Peter said it like this in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a what? Like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I'm here to tell you today that there is a real enemy and he has real power and he has come to steal everything that you love. He's come to destroy your family. He's come to destroy your marriage, to destroy your finances. He has come to steal and to kill and to destroy and he is prowling around just even right now looking for weaknesses in your life so that he can pounce upon you like a roaring lion to devour and destroy your life 
And the truth is, if we begin to think, I, I'm strong enough, I can do it, I can handle it, it won't be long until we have, until we have fallen into the lies of the enemy. In fact, Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12. He says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful. Everybody say, be careful. Be careful that you don't fall. Here's my warning to you guys today. Be careful. Understand that you are not strong enough, that Satan is real and sin is real, and there are real consequences for our sin, and you are not strong enough. But there's some good news. How many are happy for good news? You're not strong enough, but here's the good news. Are you ready for this? This is so good. You don't have to be strong enough. All you have to be is smart enough. I mean, it's so true. You're not smarter than the enemy. But you're, but you're not stronger than the enemy. But you're smarter than the enemy. That sounded a whole lot better in my head than it came out of my mouth. You're not stronger, but guess what? You're smarter. Because here's the deal is, yes, the enemy is strong. And yes, the enemy is powerful. But guess what? The enemy is also stupid and predictable. Isn't it true? I mean, come on, guys. You know what I'm talking about. The enemy will attack you in the same way, in the same, in the, with the same stuff every single time. Come on. I mean, look at Samson, all right? Samson was the strongest guy, but he had to be the dumbest. I mean, come on. Because over and over, I mean, Samson's story is only about four chapters, I think it is, in the book of Judges, maybe five chapters in the book of Judges. And in four or five chapters, three different times, the enemy comes at him in the same exact way. With what? Women. Lust. Pride. Over and over and over and over again. And Samson, as strong as he was, he was incredibly dumb and incredibly naive because he couldn't figure out what it was that the enemy was coming against him with. And he fell time and time and time again to the exact same temptations. And guys, I'm telling you, you're not stronger than the enemy, but you can be smarter than the enemy. You're not dumb. In fact, Paul says it like this. It's in your notes. He says, we are not, we are not, uh, what is the word? We are not ignorant of the enemy's schemes. We know. Guess what, guys? If you would take 10 seconds just to think, just 10 seconds, you could figure out where the enemy is going to attack you. Because it's the same way every single time. Whatever weakness that you struggle with, maybe it's money, maybe it's pleasure, maybe it's women, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's lust, maybe it's pride, maybe it's anger. I don't know what it is for you, but I know what it is for me. Because I'm not dumb. (laughs) That's debatable, I know. But you're not dumb either. And all you got to do is protect yourself. See, you say, okay, pastor, how do I make sure that I'm living smarter? How do I make sure that I'm not fighting stronger, but I'm fighting smarter? Here's all you got to do. All you got to do is take a moment to think about where does the enemy attack me over and over again? And then all you have to do is set up some boundaries. Everybody say boundaries. I'm going to set up boundaries to protect myself from my own weaknesses. I'm going to set up boundaries in my life 
Because I know, I know where I'm weak. I know where I fail. I know where the enemy attacks me. So I'm going to put up some predetermined boundaries in my life to make sure that I don't fall for those same old mistakes over and over and over again. Think about Samson. God actually put some predetermined boundaries in Samson's life. Remember the Nazarite vow? Remember those three things that he wasn't supposed to do? And those three things were not placed on Samson's life to limit him, to try to keep him from having any fun. Oh, I can't have any fun. I can't do anything because I got this vow that I got to live up to. No, no, no. They were placed there to protect him. To keep him not from fun, but to keep him from pain. And to keep him from struggle. And to keep him from frustration. And stuff that was never intended and meant for this man of God's life. And I'm telling you what, guys. God wants us to set boundaries in our life. Not to keep us from having any fun. Oh, I'm a strong man of God so I can't do anything or have any fun. or anything. Hey, did you see that video? We had some fun. No, they're not there to keep you from having fun. Here's what they're doing. They're, they're there to keep you on the right path. Like, it's like when you get out, when you leave here today and you go out on the road. You get out on the road. There's going to be some lines on the road. Some boundaries on the road. And what are those lines there on the road for? Not so that you can't have fun. I can't drive nowhere. I can't do nothing because there's these lines here on the road. No. What are the lines there for? To protect you, to keep you from going off the road, to keep you from getting over in somebody else's lane and not only hurting yourself but hurting somebody else. Come on, here's what I'm saying. And then when you go over a bridge, what do they have? They've got some guardrails on the bridge. And what are those guardrails there for? So that you just can't have any fun and jump off the side of the bridge? No. So that you don't fly off the side of the bridge and destroy yourself and hurt yourself. It's like when you go, anybody like to go to Six Flags? You like to ride roller coasters? I like to ride roller coasters. And we like to get on those ones that have the loop-de-loop things on them, right? And when you get on the loop-de-loop roller coaster, you get in there and you sit down in the little, in the little seat. And what do they do? They put a buckle around your waist, right? And then if it's a loop-de-loop thing, they put a harness over your shoulder, over your head. And aren't you glad for the harness? I mean, how many want to get on there and ride? the Batman ride with no harness of your head. No, count me out on that. But the harness is not there to keep me from having fun. I still have fun. I still put my hands up and yell and scream. And go, Woo, that's awesome. That's fun. And I can only do it a couple of times now because I'm getting older. But, but the harness is there not to keep me from having fun. The harness is there to keep me in the seat, to keep me safe. And we set up boundaries because we know the enemy is going to attack us in certain areas of our life. We know our weaknesses, so we predetermine. Everybody say predetermine. Predetermine our boundaries. I'm telling you, in the heat of the temptation is not the time to determine your boundaries. The time to determine your boundaries is before the temptation ever comes. You predetermine right here, right now. You set some boundaries in your life and you say, here's some lines that I will not cross. Here's some things that I will not do. And I predetermine that because I'm not stronger than the enemy and I know I'm not stronger than him, but I'm smarter than him. And so I can keep myself so far away from sin that even if I slip and even if I fall, I'm not going to fall over the edge. I'm just going going to fall maybe a little bit and I get back up and it won't destroy my life. Maybe some of you need to set some boundaries. Maybe for some of you, maybe it needs to be some relational boundaries. 
hey, there's some people in my life that they're just not a good influence on me. I can't be around them. I, I get around them and I start talking like them and I start acting like them and I pick up their attitude and I get negative or I get critical or I lose my focus on God and I love them and they're my friends but I'm going to have to redefine the relationship because I know they're not good for me and they're leading me in the wrong direction so I've got to set some relational boundaries. For some, you need to set some sexual boundaries. You know you struggle in the area of lust. You know you struggle with your eyes. You know you struggle with sexual things. And men, that's all of us. You need to set some boundaries. Hey, there's some stuff I just can't watch on TV. I know it's a popular thing on Netflix, but I just can't watch it because I, because I know my weakness and I know I'm not strong enough, so I'm going to set some boundaries. Hey, there's some movies. I just can't go to those. I, I know everybody else is talking about it at work, but I can't go and watch the movie because I know what's in that movie and I've got to set some boundaries to protect myself from falling into sin that would hurt me and would hurt my family and hurt my children and hurt my wife. And so I set up the boundaries. I can't get on the computer when nobody else is around or I need to set up X3 or Covenant Eyes or some kind of program on the computer or whatever it is that you set up those boundaries and you decide now I'm going to be smarter than the enemy. I know how he's going to attack me so I'm going to be smarter. Maybe it's some financial stuff. Hey, maybe you need to set up some financial boundaries. Hey, maybe you say, hey, I can't have a credit card. I know everybody else got a credit card, that's the way they live, but I need some boundaries in my life. I can't handle it. I know I can't handle it, so I got to just do a debit card thing, or I got to just maybe even cut up the debit card and do cash only, and I got whatever I've got to do. Maybe we have to be a no, you know, a no debt family or a no credit family, or maybe I can't get on Craigslist and just surf around or go to, or go to Academy and just look around. I'm setting up some boundaries. Maybe it's some substance stuff where you just have to say, hey, it might be our right for others to have a you know have a beer every now and then but I can't do it 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 will destroy me and I can't do it so I set the boundary in my life now because I'm not stronger than the enemy but I can be smarter oh pastor that's just so old-fashioned yeah well you know what I'd rather be old-fashioned and serve God than be uh, up to date and whatever and fall into sin I'm not strong enough. Everybody say, I'm not strong enough. Number two, check this out. The enemy is not strong enough to overcome the power of God. Isn't this awesome? Like, I'm not strong enough to overcome the power of the enemy, but the enemy is not strong enough to overpower the power of my God. Look at this in verse number 23. The Philistine rulers held a great festival offering sacrifices and praising their God, Dagon. And they said, Our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered us, our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. Half drunk by now, the people demanded, bring out Samson so that he can amuse us. So he, so he was brought out from the prison to amuse them. And they had him stand between the pillars of the support, uh, supporting the roof. The enemy thought, man, we have won. Our God is stronger than Samson's God. Bring Samson out here so that we can laugh at him. So that we can make a show out of him. So we can ridicule him. So we can look at his blind eyes. We can look at him without any 
strength. We can look at him as he stands out there and laugh at him and say, look at how strong our God is and how weak you are and how weak your God is. And I'm telling you what, this is exactly what the enemy wants to do in your failures. He likes to parade your failure right out in front of you and tell you you're a loser. You're a nobody. He likes to bring up all the guilt and all of the shame and all the things from your past. He'll talk to you and he'll tell you, you can never be the kind of man that Pastor Chad's talking about. Your family's never going to respect you again. You know what you did to your wife? She's never going to forgive you. You're never going to overcome those bad financial decisions. You're going to be in debt forever. And he likes to tell you that it's over. It's done. It's gone. There's no hope for you. But I got good news. The good news is it's never over and never done, not when our God is involved. In fact, you know what this, this story reminds me of? Is they bring Samson out and they put him out there for everyone to laugh and ridicule. You know what? It reminds me of another story of a man, a strong man. In fact, the strongest man of God who ever lived. And it looked like it was over for him when they took him and they nailed him to that cross. It looked like it was over for him when they placed him up upon that cross and people laughed and jeered and they took his clothes and they gambled for it. And he said, I'm thirsty and they gave him vinegar to drink and then he said it's finished and they took his body down off of that cross and they placed it in a tomb and for three days it looked like it was dead and it was over and it was hopeless it looked like the enemy had won but on that third day that tomb the stone was rolled away and Jesus burst forth from that tomb and I'm telling you what if the same power is in us in fact that's what the scripture says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of us as followers of Christ and if that same power is inside of you and inside of me that it will bring life to our mortal bodies and I'm telling you there is no there is no dead marriage that is too dead there's no dead financial situation that's too far gone there's no relationship that's too dead that the power of Jesus the power of the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead cannot bring life to your circumstance and situation today come on I came to preach today it's not even Easter amen look at this the enemy is not strong enough to overcome the power of God I love this one number three God is strong enough to overcome the power of my failure I'm not strong enough to overcome the power of the enemy the enemy is not strong enough to overcome the power of my God. But here's what's so awesome is that God is strong enough to overcome the power of any failure. In fact, let's look at the rest of this story. Verse number 25. So he was brought from the prison to amuse them. And they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. And Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, Place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. And now the temple was completely filled with people. And all the Philistine rulers were there. And there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. And then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me one more time. And with one blow, let me pay back the Philistine for the loss of my two eyes. 
Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both of his hands. He prayed, let me die with this Philistine, with these Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people so that Samson killed more people when he died than during his entire lifetime. Check this out. See, here's the deal is that you're not strong enough to overcome the enemy. The enemy is not strong enough to overcome God. But your sin and your failure is not strong enough to overcome God's power and purpose for your life. And here's what's so amazing. When Samson calls out to God, God could have just forgiven Samson and that would have been enough. But God doesn't just forgive Samson. God actually takes his failure and uses it for his own purposes. Isn't that cool? Like when you guys, when we blow it, when we mess up, it would be enough if God just said, I forgive you. We don't deserve it. But here's the deal. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't just forgive us when we blow it. No, 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 no. He loves us so much that he can even continue to use us after we've blown it. And he can actually even take our greatest failure and use them for his greatest purpose in this world and through our lives. Oh, but pastor, I blew it too much. I've messed up too much. Well, I'm here to tell you good news this morning. And the good news is this, is that God specializes in taking our mess and turning it into his message. See, some of the greatest messages that have ever been preached have been out of our own failures. Some of the greatest things that God has ever accomplished have been through weak men who failed, but they turned their hearts and their lives back to God, and God turned it around and used it for his good. See, Samson may have left God, but God never left Samson. In fact, it reminds me, as I, as I think about this, this last part of Samson's story, I can't help but think about the first part of Samson's story and the promise that, the promise that God had made to Samson way back in the beginning of his story. He made to his mom, Judges 13 and verse 7, when the angel of the Lord speaks to Samson's mom when she's pregnant with Samson and says, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. For your son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from the moment of his birth until, look at this, until the day of his death. I'd never thought about this before. In fact, throughout this whole series, I've been preaching how Samson was a man called by God from birth. But I went back and I read it, and yes, he was called of God from birth, but there was also another promise that was there that God would use him until his death. See, here's the deal, is that God had made a vow with Samson. And Samson may have broken his vow with God, but God never broke his vow with Samson. God said, I will use you from the moment of your birth, from the moment of your birth all the way to the day of your death. And even though Samson messed it up royally, even though Samson failed in a big way, God never forgot the promise and the vow that he had made to Samson that I will use you from the time that you are born all the way to the time of your death. And even though you've blown it, I'm not finished with you. Even though you've broken the vow, I have 
haven't broken my vow with you. Even though you've left the calling, I haven't left my calling that I have upon you. And even to the point of his death, when Samson called out to God, and it says right there in the scripture that in that moment of his death, that God used Samson more in that moment to destroy more Philistines in that one moment of his death than in the entirety of his life to that point. I'm here to tell you this morning that you may have broken your vows to God, but God has not broken his vow to you. You may have left God, but God has not left you. And you may have failed, but God can turn around and use your failure. And the power of your failure is not more powerful than the power of God in your life. I love what Paul wrote in Romans 11 and verse 29. He says, the gifts and the callings of God are without Repentance. I love the way it says it in the New Living Translation. It says, for God's gift and his call can never, everybody say never, can never be withdrawn. Oh, but pastor, I messed up too bad. Oh, but pastor, you don't know what I did to my kids. You don't know what I did to my wife. You don't know how I've messed it up. You don't know my financial situation. You don't know. You don't know what I've done. I may not know what you have done. And I'm telling you, all of this doesn't keep you from having to, having to have some consequences to your sin. But I'm telling you that even the consequences of your sin are not greater than the calling of God upon your life. And God has not withdrawn his calling upon you. And even if you've blown it, even if you've messed it up, it's not too late for you. God has called you and the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Well, pastor, what do I do? And I, I've failed, I've blown it, I've messed up. What, what do I do? What did Samson do? Look what it says right here. Verse number 28, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. What do you do when you've blown it, when you mess messed up? You pray. You call out to God. You repent. In fact, look what it says. He says, Remember me. You know, one of the words, one of the Hebrew words for remember is to confess. That, that's what that word means. Samson confessed. He called out to God. He repented. God, forgive me. God, remember. Remember the calling that you had upon my life. Remember the promise that you made to me that you would use me even until my death. See, there's really, there's really two responses when it comes to failure. There's either remorse or there's repentance. And here's where a lot of us, here's where we are, is that when we fail, here's what we have. We have remorse. And remorse says, well, I feel bad about it. You know, I'm sorry I got caught. Maybe I, you know, all right, I was wrong, but it's somebody else. I mean, it was Delilah. It's her fault. She's one that did it. She seduced me. It was her nagging all the time, made me give up my secret. Or I didn't really want this calling of God on my life anyway. That's remorse. But repentance goes like this. I'm sorry. It's my fault. It's nobody else's fault. I did it. I was wrong. I want to change. I want to go the other direction. See, that's where it all starts right there. So I'm going to tell you guys, you can't unsin. You can't unhave that affair. You can't go back and undo the deal that you did. It got you in the situation that you're in. But you can start right now, and you can call out to God. You can have a brand new beginning. Samson called out to God, and, and what did he do? He, 
he confessed, he repented, remember me, Lord. And then what did, what did he do? He, 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 said, he said, God, use me one more time. You see, he understood where his strength really came from. What do you do when you've blown it? You call out to God. Number two, what do you do? You push ahead. Look at this. Philippians 3.13, look what Paul says, forgetting what is behind. How many would say that Paul had a lot of bad stuff in his past to forget? But what did he do? Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. What do I do? I press on. What did Samson do? It says right here in verse 29, Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple, what? Pushing against them with what? With both hands. Why is that important? What's the significance of both hands? Here's the significance of both hands. In the scripture, through the Old Testament, when you hear about, when you hear about people's hands, here's what you hear. The left hand always signified weakness. And the right hand always signified strength. And notice this. Samson takes both hands and pushes against the pillar. You know what, you know what that says to me? That says if Samson finally got it right, Samson finally understood it, instead of just going, I'm just going to push with strength, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to realize that I have weakness, but God has strength. And so I'm going to let God flow through my weakness and his strength. And so he pushed with weakness and strength working together at the same time. That's what strong men do. Strong men and understand that it's not about the right hand of my strength and how strong I am and what I can do. No, we understand that, hey, we're weak, but when we are weak, he is strong and we press ahead with all that he has inside of us. I love what Paul writes in Colossians 1 and verse 23. To this end I labor, look at this, struggling with what? With all his energy, which is so powerfully at work inside of me. I love what Paul says, Paul says, I'm not struggling with my energy. I'm struggling with all of his energy that is working through me. His strength along with my weakness and we press on towards what God has called us to do and be. Oh, but pastor, I've blown it. Well, guess what? Hey, you're not strong enough to overcome the power of the enemy. I got good news. The enemy is not strong enough to overpower the power of God. And your failure is not big enough to overcome God's power in your life. I want to close with this one last statement. It goes like this. A man's greatest fear is failure. His greatest pain is regret. Some of you are here right now and you're going in your heart, you're going... Pastor, I want to be that, that man of God. I want to be that strong man. But Pastor, I've tried and I've failed and I've blown it and I've messed up. Pastor, I want to come down there and make that resolution. I want to do that. I want to stand in front of all these people and say, I want to be that man. I'm going to do that. But there's fear in my heart. What if I fail? The greatest fear of a man is the fear of failure. What if I fail? What if I fail? But here's, the, here's what I want to tell you is that a man's greatest, a man's greatest, regret, uh, greatest pain is regret. And here's the thing. If you give in to the fear of failure, here's what's going to happen. You are guaranteed to experience the pain of regrets. But if you will be a person who will say, I'm not going to give in to the fear of failure. I know I'm going to fail. I'm not strong enough. 
but I know he is strong enough, and so I'm going to step out in his strength. Then at the end of your life, you can look back, and you don't have to have the pain of, what if? What if I'd have been a better man? What if I'd have been a better father? What if I'd have led my family better? What if I'd have been a better husband? What if I'd have done better with our money? What if I'd have trusted God more? What if, what if, what if, what if, if you will put aside the fear of failure and step out in faith and in his strength, then you can look back at the end of your life knowing you didn't have to experience the pain. <laughs> 